Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Everything I'm telling you, that's why it would say in this very chapter, in this very book that we're reading, that uh, a man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. When we're obedient to his word and we take it and we, we're obedient. See, that's where the, 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 the real power of the word comes in. It's not just in getting it up here. You own it when you do it. And when you do it, you see the result of it and it encourages your faith. The problem is, is we're not encouraged because we're not doing. We read, we have a lot of head knowledge, but I find myself, and this is true of myself, I'll read, but I won't put it into action. I'll think, well, that scripture is good for somebody else. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ. Pastor Rob continues in chapter 8, where Moses is reminding the nation of Israel how much God has blessed them with. Our teaching today focuses on how we see the power of God's Word acting out as we obey those things He reveals to us. This also strengthens our faith in Him when we see the power come to life before our eyes. However, this chapter is not without warning, as is the Word of God to us. Disobedience can be very dangerous, and we must be careful to follow God's instructions. Let's hear from Pastor Rob with God's message for today. To him who struck Egypt in in their firstborn, and brought out Israel from among them, with a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, (laughs) to him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, to him who led his people through the wilderness, to him who struck down great kings and slew famous kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel his servant, who remembered us in our lowly state and rescued us from our enemies, who gives food to all flesh. And let's read this together. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. Right? Isn't that? Oh, give thanks for all these things that he has done. See, it's good to give thanks unto the Lord. It's, 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 praise is comely, the Bible says. It's beautiful. You know, there's nothing more beautiful than to see a person who's really praising God for his goodness and for what he's done. You know, there's a lot of sourpusses in the world, a lot of people walking around and just negative, negative. Everything they say is negative. Not a single thing is there good 
that comes out of their mouth. All this, all that, all. and you're just like, man, you're a load to be around. But isn't it great to be around the family of God when we're walking in the Spirit, when our life is filled and we're, we know who we are in Christ? We know that we're sinners. We know that we're fail, we, we fail, but you know what? We have this wonderful, great heritage ahead of us. Even though things look dark and they look dim and things don't seem to be going right, and guess what? It's just a blip on the screen, folks. Do you realize that? It's a vapor. Everything that's happening right now is going to be a vapor. Before long, we're going to forget it. And before long, when we're in glory with him, we're not even going to remember the, these times. It's going to be like a, a bad dream that we've forgotten long ago. And ahead of us is glory and being his presence. How great is that? That's something to get excited about. He goes on in verse 15, he says, speaking of God, he says, I I led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you, there it is again, to know or to do you good in the land. And, you know, we're not going to go there, but in Exodus chapter 17 was the first time that God did that, or that, that Moses, that God, through Moses, gave water to his people. They complained, and, God, and Mo, God told Moses, Moses, just go over to the rock. And this is like just a little bit less than three months after they had come out of Egypt. He just goes, says to Moses, take the staff in your hand and go over there and whack that rock once. Just hit it once. He goes over there, obedient water comes flowing out, a torrents of water. Now everyone can be filled and fed and the animals and the people. <laughs> and then later on in Numbers 20, we see them complaining again at a different spot. And they're all upset again. And finally God says, now Moses, just go speak to the rock. I've already, we've already, the rock has already been struck. Christ has already been struck. Just speak now. You don't need to hit the rock again. But instead, he goes over there with, with his rod and he just... You people, you people, you can just see his eyes bugging out of his head, and he takes that staff and he whacks it not once but twice. And the water starts gushing out again, and God's going, Oh, Moses, <laughs> that's not my heart. Lord, can I still go in the promised land? No. No, you can't. You misrepresented my character, Moses. But I'll let you do this. Before you die, I'll let you get up on top of the mountain. And you'll be able to see the land, but you can't go in it, Moses. Okay, Lord, that's good enough for me because I'm still going to heaven, right? Yeah, I'm st- I still love you. Isn't that who Jesus saw? Peter, James, and John as they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, who was standing there in their resurrected bodies? Moses and Elijah. So guess what? Moses, with all of his mistakes, with all of his anger issue, is he in glory? Yes, he is. And I love that because none of us are perfect. Verse 17, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand gain me this wealth. And that's what happens when we are um, full of ourselves and we have ease and we have comfort and everything is provided for us. We get to that point where we're like, you know what? I'm a pretty smart guy. I went to Yale. Yeah. Got the business degree, MBA, Yale, cum laude, magnum cum laude. Right? And now we're like, not so bad. Right? <laughs> it's because of my ingenuity, because of my karma. Whatever it is, boy, I'm something, really. Stand back. Don't get too close. There's an aura around me. You don't want to touch it. Because you'll be blessed too. No, God says, it's not by your power. It's not by your strength. 
It's by my power, says the Lord. But he goes on to verse 18. He says, you shall remember. Remember, this whole chapter is about remembering. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. He gave you, this, he gave you the strength and the job that you have right now. So why can you boast about your, your college degree? Why can you boast about any gift or skill or ability that you have? I gave you that job. I made sure that you were the one walking through the door that day. And I put it upon your boss's heart to, to, to hire you when somebody else was probably even better, more qualified. But I gave you the job because I love you. And you're one of mine. That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Verse 19, Then it shall be, if by any means you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you will surely perish. Isn't that a great warning? If you do this, you're going to perish. Why? Is it because God is jealous? The Bible says that he's a jealous God, but he's not jealous in the way we might think. When we think of jealousy, it's a, it's a nasty thing. It can be really ugly between two sinners, a husband and wife or a boyfriend and a girlfriend. There can be jealousy so bad that they're chasing each other around with a knife or with a gun, right? But God's jealousy is because he knows perfectly what you need. He designed you. He created you, Right? Ford manufacturers, when they make that car on the assembly line, they know exactly what that car is designed to do. And those parts are designed to do exactly the thing that they were designed to do. Nothing more, nothing less. And so God knows you. He knows exactly what you're made of. So, you know, we can trust him. We can trust him. And if we deviate from that part, you know, say there's a part that all it, all it is is a, a mechanism inside your, your steering wheel, right? The little thing you hit to turn, to turn left, the little blinker. All it's meant to do is to cause that little thing to go in the back tail like to do the same thing, right? What would happen if one day it says, you know what, I don't, I don't like that. I want to do something better. I want to steer this thing, this 2,500 pounds of metal and and glass. I want to be the one steering the wheels. I'm sick of doing this little thing. It's insignificant. I want more. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen people like that? Just obstinate, just kind of pig. Pig, that's the word I think of when I, when I think of something like that. Because I, I, I've been a pig before. But we can. We can be that way. Remember the Lord your God. And he goes into verse 19. He says, Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day, you shall surely perish. Because the end of that thing, whatever it is, is death. There is only one way. Apart from God, it is death. And that's why God can tell you, you need me. Everything I'm telling you, that's why it would say in this very chapter, in this very book that we're reading, that uh, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. When we're obedient to his word and we take it and we, we're obedient. See, that's where the, 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 the real power of the word comes in. It's not just in getting it up here. You own it when you do it. And when you do it, you see the result of it and it encourages your faith. The problem is, is we're not encouraged because we're not doing. We read, we have a lot of head knowledge, but I find myself, and this is true of myself, I'll read, but I won't put it into action. I'll think, well, that scripture is good for somebody else. Right? It's good for somebody else, but not for me. I'm better than that. I've already learned that lesson. And God's going, oh boy, you don't, you don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know anything. But God, he tells us the truth. He knows what's best for us, and he knows he has everything. So when we come to him, we have the assurance that what he's given us is good. 
When you come to God, he's not going to hand you a, a, a box of Oreos and a, and a six-liter or a, a two-liter bottle of Pepsi. He's going to give you the very best. Maybe he will for you. <laughs> Maybe that's what we really want. You know, we should just break bread and just break Oreo. No, I'm kidding. Um, but he's not going to give you junk. He's not going to give you junk food. He's going to give you the very best. And as you take in that food that he gives you, it's nourishment to your bones, to your health, and it gives vitality to you again. You know, there's something really wonderful when a child of God is living the Word of God and wants more of the Word in them. Their lives are, like, exciting. They're exciting to be around because they're real. They're not, you know, pushing things under the, under the rug. They're not denying who they are. They're not denying that they're a mess too. They're like, you know, there's something that just infuriates a religious person, and that is the Christian, even though wrought with mistakes and problems, when he can smile and say, you know what, I know, I know God's got this, and I, I just blew it, and it's okay. It's not the end of the world. And the religious person will go, you can't do that, right? And then they get all nasty and a religious person who's walking in legalism is going to hate you for your liberty in Christ. They're going to hate you because you are walking in grace and they are walking with starch pants. Big difference, right? And so it's really important for us to really trust God and to do the right thing, to eat the good stuff. And you know what? I think it's probably even a, a fair thing to say, you know, especially in my house, you know, we got to make some changes in our diet. You know, I look around and I open the cupboard and my wife and I both, you know, we do this because of our daughter. She loves to eat fun things and I like to eat fun things. I mean, the, the Oreos and the Pepsi, actually Coke, I don't like Pepsi. But, um, you know, I mean, you never really want to eat those two together, right? But maybe Oreos and milk, double stuffed Oreos and a cold glass of milk. See, you guys are going to go home and do that tonight, aren't you, now that I've fed, fed you in that... <laughs> But, you know, but God wants to give us the good stuff. And, you know, even the physical things that we eat, if they're good, it's going to bless us. It's going to have an impact on our physical being, and it's going to change us if we will be consistent with it enough. So I'll get off, my, I'll get off that thing because we're all going to go home and have um, um, cheese puffs anyway and Pop Rocks and Coca-Cola. I'm only kidding. Well, maybe the Coca-Cola. Verse 20 says, As the nation which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. You wouldn't be obedient. And you know, there was a time, in, uh, if you remember, in Saul, the very first king of Israel, God had told him to go and wipe out the Amalekites. This was a people group that had sinned grievously, and they were continuing to sin. And do, do you realize that when, when the children of Israel, when, when they were in in Egypt for 430 years, God was giving that whole land of Canaan time to repent of their idolatry. He was giving them time to turn away from their child sacrifices, from their fornication, from their adultery, from all the wickedness that is laid out in the Bible, all those things that they were doing. He gave them time, burning their kids to the God of Molech, heating that little image up to where it's glowing red hot, and then putting your baby right in the middle of it and just incinerating the child. Can you imagine that? And then they would, they would worship around the thing and they would scream so loud that they, could, they overshadowed the screaming of this little infant. They would scream louder so they could cover up the screams of this little baby. Can you imagine? But now, 
Saul, the first king, God tells him, go into this land and I want you guys to go in there and wipe out everything. Sounds like a really nasty, cold, mean God. But no, he gave them several, several hundreds of years to repent. They did not repent. The time came when he says, I've had enough. I'm going to bring you into that land. You need to go in and you need to wipe out everything. Animals, everything. People, everything. So Saul goes, okay. So they go into the Amalekites, and instead of killing everybody, now Saul says, well, we'll just take the king. We'll take Agag. We'll just kind of play around and have sport with him. Just, I don't know, makes me feel good. Have an ego. You know, now I can push this king around with all my generals around. You ain't so big, you know, and push him on the chest and, you know, have sport with him. Oh, and look at the animals. Ah, oh, the ugly ones, the sickly ones, we'll kill those. But the real good ones, we'll keep that for ourselves. Yeah, the gold too, all the good stuff we keep. Let's just sift everything. Everything that's good we'll keep. Everything else that's sickly and not so important, we'll just get rid of that. And then finally, Samuel comes to Saul there in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. And Samuel says, what is this bleeding of the sheep that I hear in the background? Weren't you guys supposed to wipe that whole thing out? Saul's, oh, I did. I worshiped the Lord. I was obedient. He's like, you weren't obedient. And Saul, or Samuel, had to take care of business himself. But I, lo- I notice what it says in Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, beginning in verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord gr- as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And this wasn't the first time that Saul had this issue. He had his own mind made up. He was king. He could do whatever he wants. He has his own ideas. He doesn't need God. I'll just do it this way. It's better. (laughs) God's saying, well, it may be quicker, but it's not the best thing. There's things that I'm doing that you don't have any clue about. But instead, you just headlong, you do your will. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that when you have God wants you to do something and he wants you to do it in a certain way, but you have a shortcut? The ends never justify the means. Well, God, I could get this done by just, you know, the straightest distance between two points is a straight line. I'm just going to go straight to it and I'm going to nail it, right? And God's going, no. Actually, I had a different plan. I want you to go up here and take a right, then take another right, then take a left, then take another, and then go around the circle five times, no, seven times, and then go, and then go up to your left, and you'll see some guy holding a picture of water and ask him this question, and he'll tell you what you need to do. Oh. Well, couldn't I just text him? What am I supposed to do? Who are you? What? (laughs) Right? No, he has a purpose, and the plan is part the whole series of turns and twists and going around in circles, that all was for a purpose. If nothing else, to get you obedient. And then to realize, at the end of it, that in your journey, you just happened to be there at the right time when that person was coming out. Have you noticed that in the Gospels? What are the odds that a woman is going to be out there at noon getting water? Really, they, they, don't, they don't collect water in the, in the heat of the day. They either did it in the morning or in the evening when it was cool. She was the only one at the well that day when Jesus came out to her. He knew she was going to be there. He could have went around, instead of going through Samaria, because there's Judea, Samaria, Galilee, he could have went around this way and circumvented like everybody else does, because nobody wants anything to do with the Samaritans. They're evil, twisted people. 
But Jesus said, I must go through Samaria because he had a, a date, a plan, and it was a direct route right up to minister to this woman. And the whole village gets saved as a result of it. Right? So the ends never justify the means. Man always has his plan, but God says, I've got a better plan. And if you're obedient, you will live and you'll be blessed and you will be a blessing. But if we disobey, we are going to perish. We're going to perish. You may not perish immediately. You're going to slowly die spiritually. And maybe, you know, this is one of the things I, I, I've told um, my daughter. I said, honey, you have to listen to me and you have to be obedient. Because if, you, if, if I have to tell you three or four times to do something and then you finally do it, What's going to happen when I'm somewhere, and let me just give an example, and God forbid this should ever happen, but the clearest example is, Ariana, move. What do you mean? And at that moment, a crane is falling, and a great big steel beam is falling right upon her, right? If she doesn't listen the first time, she's going to die. Someday that obedience is going to be necessary, the training in obedience. Someday it's going to make, it's going to be a really big deal. It's always a big deal, but there, sometimes it's going to literally mean life and death. Drop to, you know, if you're told somebody, you know, isn't it wonderful? You know, you can go into the army and your drill sergeant can tell these men, drop, and they all drop. You know why? Because he slapped them around enough. And, and they, I mean, you know, they do things a little differently in the Marines. But, you know, they, they tell you to drop, you better drop. And you learn really quick that you better drop, right? Because in combat, when he says drop and you don't drop, you're dead. You're dead. So is, is obedience important every single time? Absolutely. That's why it's the hardest thing in the world to do, especially for young people. Well, why? That's an okay question to ask for a while. <laughs> but at some point, you just got to obey. You just got to obey. And I, I, I love that. You know, that's something I've purposed in my heart because, you know, my father passed away when I was really young, when I was like six or seven years old. He died of cancer. He was 32 years old when he died. And so I grew up with just my mom. And my mom was so busy. She was raising three kids, my brother and my sister and I. She had to work three jobs. So I hardly saw her. I grew up on the street with all my friends. I didn't have anybody to tell me, you know, to really ingrain these kinds of things in me. I didn't have, I mean, she did what, the best she could, but... You know, where I really got it was here at Calvary Chapel. You know, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Billy, they would just tell me to do something. I would just do it. I wouldn't even ask questions. I would just do it. Just obey. And I loved obedience. <laughs> I still do. I love to be obedient. I'm not always obedient, but I love to be obedient. Because when I'm in obedience, I can sense the blessing of God on my life. And so will you if you're obedient. So be obedient this week in all things, everything you put your hand to. If you know you're doing something wrong, stop what you're doing and go the opposite direction. That's what repent means. Just stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> Remember that commercial? Stop, drop, and roll. Was that Dick Van Dyke with a, on a, if you're on fire or something like that? Just stop, drop, and roll. But that's what we need to do. We need to stop and drop and pray. <laughs> right? Get on our face. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for the, um, the exhortation of your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the, for the way, uh, Lord, that you remind us, Lord, through this passage, Lord, just as you did the children of Israel, Lord, how they needed to be uh, remembering you and to not forget you when the times are going really well. So, Lord, help us to always, just in that psalm we read, for the, you know, to, to, to really love you and, and to give thanks always, Lord. And, and just to have a, to, to grow into this 
into, into worship, grow in our worship of just being thankful, Lord, in everything, Lord, every little thing. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for tonight, Lord. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.